Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sorrows, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. It's raining cats and dogs. Metaphorically? <laughs> figuratively? Lots we're talking of, about pets today. Yeah. Lots of people are calling and emailing and sending messages um, about get seeking help for their pets. And I guess we'll talk mostly about cats and dogs because those are two of the big ones. Because we've also covered prior shows about horses. Quite and, a few, actually. Yeah. And there's um, there are lots to be learned from these shows just that are referring to issues about pets because they still can apply to us as humans. But it's also about our interaction and how we connect, period. So do we, do we connect one way with a family member or a co-worker or a partner, but we connect differently with our pet? It's Definitely. Still, yeah, and it's still... It's still connectivity and part of who we are. So whether we have pets or not, it's still we still can learn something from the stories. Okay. And what I'm seeing quite a bit in the emails and in the questions that are being asked of you and I are, do we help them? So first of all, the answer is yes. People are asking, can you communicate for them? Like a dog, not a dog whisperer. I don't know how to explain it because it doesn't mean that we're just calming them down. It means that we're actually giving them voice. Mm-hmm. And what what I wanted to talk about in the show is all of the different types of things that they communicate to us. So that, you know, for those people who really do see them as their fur babies, they can, they're going to really love the show because they're going to really, they're, they already know this stuff. They already know that their pets communicate back with them. And I think other people sometimes, maybe if they're not as attached to a pet or maybe they've never had one, might might not quite understand the connection and it just might be something to learn. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to begin with the different types of messages that the pets give us. So would you like to begin or do you want me to start? Do you mean in a general sense or examples from sessions? Both. And okay. I know you just had a session today that can that can give an example of one of the ways that pets come through and what it did for your client. Mm-hmm. So these are pets that some of them are passed over and some of them are still alive. Right. So there's there's another thing people can listen to. Yes, we give messages from deceased animals, but yes, also from living animals. Yeah, it's not too late. And you also don't have to wait. Right. And you can do it by telephone, Skype, FaceTime, and in person. So the session that I just actually concluded about an hour ago was for a young woman and her cat. And the I guess the way things went was that she moved away to university and the cat said, I felt abandoned when you left. And she validated that the cat, mm. uh, how did she say it? She's not sure if the cat passed or just disappeared and didn't come home, but it left the house and didn't come home. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they've, they've made a family decision to conclude that it, the cat passed. And the cat came through to say not whether or not he was alive or dead, because that wasn't the relevant part, which I also think is interesting. He came through to say he felt abandoned when she left because she was the only one that loved him. That she was the only one in the family that saw him as a member of the family and not just a pet. That she observed him the way 
the mother of the household observed her children and knew their habits and their likes and their dislikes and that this young woman respected the cat, didn't invade its privacy, didn't pick it up for her own pleasure or her own nurturing when she needed it. She always observed his needs and put those first so that she wasn't crossing boundaries and that when they came together to love each other naturally, that was wonderful. So the feeling of abandonment came from the fact that he was neglected when she moved away to university, that the rest of the family didn't sometimes missed feeding him because they didn't think of him and didn't, didn't respect his space the way that she did. And so he left because he knew he wouldn't be loved the way he was when she was around. And he specifically said to her, I'm not coming through to tell you this to make you feel shame or guilt. I'm coming through to validate that you did in fact love me the very best in this life for him. And I thought that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to say that she did an excellent job loving him and that he knew in his heart that she was his home. And he also said, I understand that when you left, you couldn't take me. It wasn't an option. And so he wasn't holding this feeling of grief or resentment as a spirit toward her for abandoning him, that he came through to say it's what he felt, but that he understood it. And so it set her free to know that she's connected to what he's feeling, but to not feel responsible for those feelings. Beautiful messages. Mm -hmm. The rest of the session, I mean, he stayed for the whole thing. He was absolutely adorable. And he told her all about her love life and he told her all about the family and everything. But the biggest message was that she was actually supposed to be allowed to be angry with her parents. That she's someone who is always afraid that her anger might kill the person she's angry at. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't want to be responsible for this. So she feels angry and as it surfaces she wants to suppress it and hide it and pretend it didn't happen and she wants the other people to pretend that she wasn't angry as well and so the cat just said you're allowed to be angry at your parents for losing me Mm -hmm. yeah and I just I think that that does something for her in being able to move forward yeah and I mean it hopefully it does eventually even towards moving to get through this for her and her parents because otherwise she could hang on to this for the rest of her life and it's always going to come up in some kind of way mm-hmm. if she keeps holding it in and you know how we ask for other information so we can confirm it was in fact the cat mm-hmm. he says my two favorite places in the house were your bedroom and in between the dining room and the kitchen and I just said, I said it just like that. And I said, I don't really know what that means. But he says in between. And she goes, yeah, he hung out under the piano, which it was kind of in this like entrance, but it's not really a room. And it is in between the dining room and the kitchen. <laughs> and so he just, he flat out said, this is where I hung out. This is the mm-hmm. space that you respected. And here's your message. Mm-hmm. I like how he just brings it through because it's about her healing. Mm-hmm. Like he, that he comes through as this beautiful soul to care for her, to tell her what he knows she's going through. He doesn't try to make anything smooth. He mm-hmm. just tries to say, I know you're angry. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing for us to do when we've angered somebody. Yeah. Is just to say, I know you're angry. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to ask for forgiveness because I know you need just to feel angry first. We, sometimes we want to rush those processes for our own good, mm-hmm. not thinking 
what the the other person needs but this cat is thinking about her needs Mm -hmm. there were quite a few more cool things about the treatment where he said to her and I find this really unique and I maybe you feel the same way mom in sessions where you can hear all the information that's about to come out but it sounds very contradictory Mm -hmm. so you kind of ask the client to hang on to that yes or no before you get the whole thing out yeah because I, I hate sounding wishy-washy, right? Yeah. So I said, let me get this all out. I said, in your head and in your heart, you want to travel. You want to be culturally experienced. You're you're intrigued by all kinds of, of people and places. And that's in your head and your heart. But as soon as you go into making an action plan, all the phobias come up and you don't want to leave your house. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, that's that's exactly it. So it's this contradictory feeling, right? Yeah. Or And thought. And the cat just said... You're allowed to be culturally experienced and not have to leave your house. He goes, yeah. you can put on four documentaries of a culture or or a YouTube video of a food and make a dinner party for the, the one friend that you trust and want to be around <laughs> so that you don't have to surround yourself with a ton of people that make you feel anxious and homesick. Aww. So he was trying to teach her how she could be worldly yeah. and experience her own passions without necessarily having to get on a plane. Yeah. And that that can be a great source and an authentic source of happiness instead of a sad life with a cat. Because I think there's a lot of stereotype around that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's lovely, eh? Mm-hmm. He's helping. He's reaching out to help her reach her potential in, in, in a timely fashion and, and in a way that she can be comfortable with yeah. instead of what she thinks she needs to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with that one? Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up one about, um, this was a client a couple of years ago now, a woman, I can't remember where she called. It was like, it was somewhere in the States, like Vermont or somewhere, if I'm, or Virginia. Anyway, maybe not even close in location, but maybe both start with a V. And <laughs> that's, <all I> can. <laughs> that's the extent of your geography. <laughs> Perhaps. But anyway. Remote um, views, but can't do geography. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Me too. So true, right? Um, so anyway, this lady called and she said to me, can you channel animals? And I rem- this was like years back. And I said, well, let's start and give it a try. Why don't you say a name? And I took out a, p- a pen and paper, put it down on the computer desk. And I was on the, on the phone. Is this the woman with like 10 animals? Yes. Yeah, okay. And and more than that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she called a couple of times. So anyway, the first time she called, she would say Gertrude. And I would say, oh, Gertrude is the Siamese cat. And she'd say, yes, one of. And I was like, oh, okay. And she'd say, yeah, keep going. And I would say something like, well, she, she, she likes the garden. She likes the door to go out to the garden. And she says she runs down the tunnel fast. And I remember this. She created a little tunnel for the cats to go out a window. So she created a mesh thing so that the cats could run outside mm-hmm. um, and into the backyard, into the garden without her having to open and close the door so they could come and go. Right. Anyway, I thought this was really, really cool. And they were describing their characters, the cats' characters, and the animals in the yard. They would even describe the animals in the homes around them that they could bark or meow at or the birds that would come and go. This was really cool. And she has friends who are pet lovers. So she would all the the pets in her home 
would describe the characters of the pets that would come to visit. Cute. So she might say to me, what do you get about Marco? And I'd say, well, that's not one of your pets. That's one of your friend Kathy's pets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she likes when Marco comes to visit. Um, But Marco has a bad left hip and she needs some anti-inflammatories and she has to go to the vet. And then she'd say, oh, thank you for telling me. I'll tell my friend that Marco has to go to the vet. Mm -hmm. Then the next phone call, the next time she'd call a couple of months later, she'd say updates. And then she'd say, I know you don't remember anything, but I want you to know that Marco went to the vet. Mm-hmm. And they got it checked out. You were right about the inflammation in the hip. And we just want to say thank you because the vet was able to take care of it. And she, she's not limping. Nice. And her character has changed and she's not so snarly with the rest of the cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there would be medical information that would come through. There would be personalities that would come through. They would talk about at some points, whether they were happy or unhappy. And they would also talk about how they loved her, who took care of her, uh, which ones she was having to care for. And as time went on, this happened over a period of, I think it was about two years. Some of the pets would say when it was time to pass, they, she would say, and what do you get about George? And I'd say, well, that's a dog. And he says, he's, He's getting ready. It's not quite. He says within a year, he'll be ready to be put down. He's he's enjoying his year. Hmm. And I remember her saying things to me like at the end of that year, well, we put George down. You know, he finally, you know, got up one morning and he couldn't move and he lost control of his bowel and his bladder. And we remembered what you said, that he was happy and content. I didn't feel like I had to call you, Karen. We felt really peaceful that he had already spoken his piece. Mm-hmm. And... This was these these were two women that lived together um, and all of these different friends that came and went in this home. And I think it was over a period of a year, she had asked for upwards of like, I think it was two dozen pets between what she had in her home, which was way more than a dozen cats and dogs um, and some birds that would come into the yard and stay. It was like they fed them and the bird like there were regulars. Mm-hmm which is interesting to hear that birds were regulars when there was like a pile of cats. Yeah. Well, yes. Not really though. When you look at some households. Yeah. And, and how loving these two women were that it was like, no, no, there's room here. Or if you're a cat and you're a dog and you two can get along, then the cats and the birds can get along. Mm -hmm. Like they all had this kind of what you hope for in human beings. Kelly. We're that both would, not going there. No, this would be the point of the podcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> I just love what well, you did. good. Yeah, it was good what you did because th- this, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up today. Because some people might think as mediums or psychics or medical intuitives, we should never be able to connect with animals. We're humans. And to me, that would be the furthest thing from what a human should believe. We should be able to talk to the trees. We should be able to talk to everything and connect with everything. We should be telepathic symbiotically with all of nature. We okay. should be. That's, that's, that's the goal. But I know for some humans, that isn't the, not, that's not only the goal, it's nonsense to them. That's how far they are from a desire to be connected. Well, that's and why I, we have a whole world of me. Mm-hmm. Me, me, me. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of the other reasons why I thought this was a timely podcast right now in June 
of 2017, um, when we have other things happening on our planet, I thought it was really apropos to talk about the animal kingdom and humans and connecting. Mm -hmm. And that if we're not going to think that we can, if we aren't going to believe that a cat can know what we're thinking or a dog does or a bird does or our snake does or all these different, our, you know, our mouse and all of these gerbils and all of these things, if we don't think that they feel, then it's easy to disconnect from nature. And as we've done that, it's easy enough oh, for us. Her. Yeah, it's easy enough for to to disconnect from all of Earth and kill all of Earth too. Because we don't really believe deep down that we need or that we need to take care of anything other than myself. And and we don't know what that means either. No, although we think we do. We think it means the job or we think it means paying the bills or like certain things like that. I, I've said this many times in the last two years. I think Parker saved me. I think he is what or who took care of me for a long time in the beautiful soul that he is and how he loves and gives unconditionally but and you know what maybe it's not even fair to say unconditionally because oh. he's got good limits oh i was just he's gonna got good say boundaries i think the heart is unconditional but his his spatial boundaries and his time he puts himself in timeouts constantly to just get get grounded again and he'll he'll look at you sideways if he doesn't want you touching him and there's there's just this reminder of what a good boundary is mm-hmm. and of what good love is Maybe cats teach us that too. And that's, I hear some people, and I have to say I hear this and and I channel it, but I don't know it because I've had a cat. I've, I know it because I've channeled cats, but that cats can set good boundaries. They can be very independent and to teach the people that they live with about being independent, Mm -hmm. about being comfortable in silence and comfortable being alone. And, and that's, that's a beautiful gift that pets can teach us about being comfortable. A lot of people think they have to be around other people in order to be safe or in order to be um, happy or content. And they don't understand that you can have all of those things be- being alone. Well, and also, I think you touched on kind of indirectly, uh, the teaching from, from cats or, or pets in particular, um, or sorry, in general, that you don't have to be busy to enjoy life. You don't have to be constantly doing. There can be stillness as much as you're talking about being alone. Mm-hmm. That you can be in company and be still. That you can be alone and be still and still mm-hmm. fully living. Mm-hmm. I said to Eric the other day, he said, how was your day? And I said, good. I've decided to live more like a dog. And he's like, what in the <laughs> hell does that mean? I said, well, I had a break in my day. So I found a patch of sun on the floor and I laid down. <laughs> and, I do that. That's I like that and, one. <laughs> and I made a conscious decision that anytime the doorbell rings or I hear it open, that I'm going to drop what I'm doing and greet the person very excitedly. And I <laughs> thought this is two things I've observed that dogs do. Yeah. And they just seem so happy. So I thought I'll just, I'm going to observe dogs more and live more like a dog. <laughs> 
So Kelly, it's, it's we're a gonna, quest. We're going to check in on you. This is show <laughs> 101. Yeah. We're going to keep checking in and I'm going to ask you to put a post-it note and we're going to have people checking in checking on the year in. of the dog. Yes. To see how Kelly's doing in her year. Well, there's not a whole lot of sunlight, so I do have to figure out another tactic this week. But but you know what? It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's calming. It's perspective. Well, dogs eat regular meals. Well, our dog does. I don't know about other yeah. dogs. I'll just say, and Parker eats a restricted diet because of all of his allergies, but it keeps him very healthy. Yes. And he has no food anxiety because of it. Yeah, he knows what he's getting and when he's getting it. Yes. And there's no fear that he's going to not have enough food. So there's no overeating either. It's portion. Um, but Parker also walks every day. He and, and if I think about like the things that he gets, he naps. He has playtime, but he also has where, uh, what would you call training? Like where I still go through all of the commands with him that yeah. Aaron taught and Eric taught us so that, you know, I'll say to you, I went through all of Eric's, er, Eric, oh my God. <laughs> I went through all of Parker's commands today. <laughs> That's, that is humorous. It's funny because Aaron and Eric are trainers. Yeah. I think you just confused the boyfriend <laughs> with the dog. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> well, so did I. But um, going through his commands because it's still structure. It's still learning. It's still... Well, it's implementing communication mm-hmm. that works. It's simplified. It's effective. And it's kind. Mm-hmm. There's purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes as humans over and under communicate with very ineffective methods. Mm-hmm. And ineffective and unorganized intention. Oh, I like what you said about that because I was noticing when I went to put Parker outside on the deck that I said something like, just stay there, Parker. And then I thought, oh my God, he's not even getting that. He got one word. He just kept going. And, and it was like, no, he knows commands. And I went, stay. And then he stopped. And it was like, so again, as in communicating. Mm-hmm. That isn't the big long sentence isn't something he gets. Yeah. But if when I know that Parker gets one word commands, why would I go on and talk a mile a minute to him knowing he's just going to move all around the deck and that he's not going to do anything I've asked. So if I'm the one that gets mad at that behavior, that's entirely on me, mm-hmm. not on Parker. And I think that's something if we listen to that, I'm not saying you have to give your partner or your boyfriend a one word command. Let's be clear. This is not what I'm trying to say. Hey, honey, I listened to Karen and Kelly's show this morning. Sit. She said one word commands for you. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about what we know works for each person in how they communicate. Remember you were saying about the languages of love and that you, you might think, your language of love is is to be bought flowers and then and then all of a sudden you realize one day that it's actually not that it's that you know your partner I think you were saying was doing something like he was doing odds and ends trying to make the apartment more comfortable acts of service Uh, yes thank you Uh, so his his um, language of love was acts of service but if you were missing that because you were focusing on and I just picked flowers randomly oh it's fine but if you were looking for one other thing then you miss the language you miss the communication Mm -hmm. so if you're on two different pages then you can both be looking at each other going what happened well okay so going back to to pets Mm -hmm. I think about cat people where the cats will come up and drop the mouse at your foot. And it's like, what the fuck? 
that's why I'm not a cat person. And the, and the cat is like, mom, dad, look what I did. Yeah. Look what I gave you. Mm-hmm. Aren't you proud? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's how they know to love. That's yeah. the act of service or the offering that they know to show their loved one. Yes. Uh, hopefully to get praise, right? Which yes. is something they're hoping for. Right. So that's an exchange. And so if you're not, if you're not familiar with how to exchange love and exchange words, then yeah, there is disconnection. Well, my acts of love or my language of love and acts of service recently have been food. So I invited Andrew over for lunch and I made him a lunch he loves. Right. Okay. And I just enjoyed that he just sat down and that this was something I could do. And then I asked you to come over. I remember benefiting from this. And yeah. And well, you arrived later after his lunch was done and you were fatigued. You came in the door and you, there was something. I was crying. Oh, you had been crying. And I asked you, oh, that's right. You'd had a meeting or something. Mm -hmm. And you came in and I just saw the fatigue in your face. And I said, would you like lunch? And you said, yes. And I said, would you like to sit down? And would you like me to make it and serve it for you? like and and that was my choice this wasn't Mm -hmm. this isn't I'm stuck in a role of mom this isn't old-fashioned 1960s mom shit I have I have liberated Karen (laughs) Sarlow well the wonderful thing about what you did and hopefully if people are listening to the 101st show instead of just maybe tuning in for the first time is you asked a question you didn't, it's wonderful, first of all, that you recognize the fatigue and the sorrow and, and what I was feeling or experiencing, but there was no assumption of what, of, of you needing to fix something or mm-hmm. take over or buy into a belief that a mom does certain things when her child aches. Mm-hmm. Because yes, I did walk in and say, yes, please, to your question about may I prepare it for you and you can sit. But what if I had walked in defeated from a meeting at that point and thought, I need to fucking do something that makes me feel powerful and cooking my own meal might have been that thing. Mm -hmm. Anyone who knows me is laughing at this point, but this is just the example we're going with. I I may have just needed to do something to feel, to counter the whatever feeling I had of defeat in that previous experience. Mm -hmm. And I think... Well, I don't think that choice that you gave me in asking a question instead of saying, sit, I'll make you lunch. It gave back to me mm-hmm. and it allowed me to receive in a way that I needed and was prepared for mm-hmm. so that I didn't disrespect what you offered me. Mm-hmm. Can I go to an, a different example entirely? I've now? got another one too. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to quickly talk about um, when an animal was, uh, a dog was um, giving me a list of all of the Christmas gifts that a friend had bought her family for Christmas. And her dog showed up in a treatment to say, I know everything mom bought everybody. (laughs) And then she was like, no, no. You did a podcast on this. Yeah. And and I sat there and said, yes, you bought so-and-so a great big can of cashews. And she's like, Jesus Christ, Karen, I did. (laughs) And I said, okay. She goes, I, I, I didn't know dogs knew this. I Like, what do you mean? And I think there's a little bit of a moment when that kind of stuff happens that we panic, thinking, oh, my God. Do th- So they actually see the can. They actually, they actually saw. They processed. How does Karen know? Or remote viewed. Yes. 
like and how like to me this talks about the grandness of a spirit Mm -hmm. it talks about how loving a heart is Mm -hmm. how much growth a brain can it can do if we don't if we don't shrink it by our limited limited sorry i created a word (laughs) um coffee Coffee (laughs) (laughs) let's not throw karen in with that one um but just if we don't restrict what we think about an animal a pet um nature each other as humans what what these what this what these beautiful pets can bring to us i think what you're talking about is what i'll say innocent genuine hearted people hope for when they believe in a god Mm. or a goddess when they want to believe that there's a power that's all knowing and all loving and we're talking about it in the form of pets right now but it's what we hope we're worshiping it's what we hope we're connecting to when we say that we're faithful or spiritual right or if you if you do identify with being religious i really like how you just worded that because quite recently i've heard so many people say karen i'm spiritual and i'm really resentful of how people are describing spiritual these days oh yeah You know, saying that spiritual means that we believe in a God or that we believe in a greater being. How about I believe in nature? How about I believe in oneness? How about I believe in kindness? Yes. Or just telling the truth. And it was like, I really like, have liked how all of these different clients come in and want to express spiritual. No, sorry. No, go ahead. I think, I think the heart of spirituality is integrity. Yes, I've said that a million freaking times. I love that you just bring it up again. It doesn't have to be an entity. It's just the essence of integrity yep. across lifetimes. And yes. that's, what, that's what the soul is. That's what the contract is. Yeah. Okay, well, no more episodes. We've summed it all up. <laughs> 101 and we're done. <laughs> um, can I go or were you yeah, going to no, say go, more? Go. Just going back to what we were talking about in terms of pets teaching us lessons about the, the human experience of the human existence. We've talked about this with Karen Barnes, uh, but I think of pets in what they teach us in terms of palliative care. Oh, God, yes. Where there is mercy for their quality of living, quality of life, and end of life, and the dignity and the integrity that they're still allowed to have when they pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know it's not for everyone, and I know a lot of clients come in and say, oh, I kept my, my dog alive too long, and he suffered. My fish committed suicide, I'm sure. People are tired of hearing about that, but <laughs> there's more opportunity for mm-hmm. integrity and digni- like dignified deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I love that. And I think people, pet lovers who, who really do connect to their pets as their, their babies, understand caring for them until they cross, mm-hmm. making them comfortable. What, what we hear doctors say, but don't really necessarily see. Mm-hmm. I, like I know Eric was talking about when he, when their, their family lost Splash and how they knew she wasn't going to make it through the night. And so he carried her everywhere she needed to go because she couldn't walk. And he put on some mellow music for her so she could feel relaxed. And he stayed with her and pet her and just did comforting things. Mm-hmm. Made sure that the room smelled good. You know, those things that we hope to give someone when they're in long-term care or mm-hmm. the palliative care, however long or short it may be. 
we don't go into those panic modes of having to hold on to that soul as much when it's a pet. Mm-hmm. There's there's more of an acceptance of a crossing. Yeah, and, and and there's so much kindness around it. And I know that some people in palliative are very much like that too. And I know that some are not. Mm-hmm. I have heard some experiences in doing all of this work where some palliative workers, because of their own belief systems, have even asked family members to leave the room so that while someone is dying, they should be alone, that they should be isolated as they cross over. And that, it, it, like, projecting their own beliefs onto a family that they may know or not know. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not saying that they may have done it out of a space of meanness. I don't mean that. But I mean that they've done it where they've made their beliefs more important than the person who's passing mm-hmm. or more important than the person, the, the, their family. Yeah. They, they made their own beliefs. And I, we've done, I think society does this quite a bit. We make, each person sometimes makes their own beliefs more important than someone else's. Mm-hmm. I think as much as we make our own problems, everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Can I go on with another thing I wanted to bring yeah. up about pets? I really love the way that pets just sit with us or sit by us when we are uncomfortable or sad or angry and how they allow us and give us the time. They don't nudge us along and push us out of something. They may inadvertently because we have to get up and walk them or and the walk helps us move our emotions. They may inadvertently because they're so damn cute and that cheers us up and out of our mood, but they don't force us. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, this is something I think that's really beautiful that we can learn from them is that they allow us that. So they, they don't walk up to us and say, hey, dude, where are your antidepressants? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, you, and, and I'm not trying to pick on one thing like an antidepressant and say that's a bad thing to take. I just mean that if, say perchance, this is a good example, we're grieving. Say someone has died. What do you need an antidepressant for? You're grieving. You're supposed to go through process. And that's where I'm saying pets allow us the time and the space to go through the process. Mm -hmm. They don't say, hey, you should be back to work within a week or two, or you got two days off. Let's get you back. We got to get you working again. So what do we do to numb the feelings so you can get through it? Mm-hmm. Pets don't do that. They just allow us to be in a feeling. Yeah. And they just sit with us. And I think this is a quality that's important in a partner. It's, it's a quality that's important in, um, I'll say, in a partnership, like a marriage or living together or family members, whatever, a boss. We have to give each other that time. And it's something that the animals seem to just know to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Do you have more examples? Or? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I may, maybe, maybe there will be 10 more shows after this. Well, I, I hope so. I, and I really hope people put 
questions and comments in. Yeah. Because, and, and people have said, we want more shows where you answer viewers' questions. Well, send the questions. Yeah. You know what, Kelly? You know what I find? I, I don't find that there are a lot of emails that come in with questions. I find people walk in as for treatments or Skype or FaceTime yeah. and say, Karen, I watch or listen to your shows. They usually say I watch your shows, but I listen to your shows and you did one on empathy. Did you ask, could you, you know, I have this problem, da, 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 da. Right. I find that they tend to want to say them more than they want to email them. Well, interestingly enough, we just put out a poll not too long ago. It's still available for people to fill out uh, via Facebook. I asked people how they liked to best interact with us. Mm-hmm. And they rated face-to-face, number one. Oh, Which I thought was really yeah. fun. I, I really appreciated that. And next was huh. Facebook because hopefully you're, you're enjoying the social media posts. But I love that face-to-face was still the number one option. There's your connect, your, your connectivity. Yeah. And I find that like the, a lot of the topics for the podcast shows come for me from the sessions, from the sessions yeah. where people walk in and say, my son can't sleep. Yeah. He's an empath. What can you do? And can you do some shows on this? And it's like, and then I put it down in the book. And then when we sit to do the show, there we go with the next topic. Mm-hmm. So that's how today's came about. It wasn't just something that I created in my own mind for today. This particular show was in response to people asking mm-hmm. questions about animals. And, and in particular, Kelly, if we can help them and, what, and in what ways. So in particular, as you said, with palliative stuff, with medical intuitive stuff to share with their veterinarians or for them just to care for them mm-hmm. emotionally, to know what they're going through, what they're thinking. You also heard how they connect, what they think of even the good stuff. It's not always the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they go missing, are they coming back or not? If Are they okay? Are they happy wherever they are? Mm-hmm. There's a variety of things you and I do to help people and their pets. Yes. And now I have homework because I have to figure out how to live more like a dog. <laughs> so if you have questions or comments about today's show or ideas on, you know, ways I can live like a dog this year, you can email us at info at uh, and we will talk to you next Saturday.